Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds Live on a Wednesday afternoon, just a little bit after 4.20 in the afternoon. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media, and we're so happy to be joining you live once again, thankfully, to our friends at LinkedIn who are allowing us now to do our interviews live on their platform as well as the other platforms of Pro Cannabis Media. But I'm so happy to welcome in Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report as we continue to focus on connecting both coasts with cannabis, coast to coast. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. And we've got 90 degree heat wave weather here in the Massachusetts side of things. California, I think you've been in a heat wave your entire summer. Uh, I hope everything is calm and normal in California as far as weather goes right now. Give it 10 minutes and some calamity will happen, I'm sure. But right now, everything is just okay. Well, see, that's the difference in California and New England. In New England, it's wait a minute and the weather will change. Right. California, yeah. everybody's more laid back there, including Mother Nature. It's wait 10 minutes. I get it. Yeah, um, 10 minutes. That's right. Well, we got uh, we got all the hot stuff going on up in the north part, actually. There's a couple of big fires, but they're far north from where I am. Well, this is really what I wanted to focus on our conversation a little bit about the scene, the cannabis scene in California, sure. and perhaps the most in you know, the thing that continues to wreak havoc on the cannabis industry is this propensity for climate change, obviously, and the fires sure. that were, sure. you know, raging crazy last year up and down Washington, Oregon, and California, and wreaking right. havoc literally and figuratively in the cannabis industry. Is it as bad this year as it was last year? I think the statistics I'm reading about the fires are that they are <clears throat> overall, I, I suppose, um, on par at least with last year. So that means bad, uh, right. no question about it. But the bigger news this year is the drought actually. So we have both things at the same time. Well, one probably drives the other, of course, right? It's been so dry that the everything looks like tinder. Everything looks like a nice little campfire, right? The whole state pretty much. Uh, and that was even the big problem in uh, Oregon last year, which is usually wet, you know, cause it's technically really from San Francisco all the way up to Alaska is rainforest. However, last year, there was so little rain in Oregon that the whole, you know, that the state had huge fires all the way up to the to the gates of Portland, pretty much. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of that this year. There's a couple. Uh, there's one big one that's going through Lake Tahoe right now, as a matter of fact. Um, but as to your question, the, the water issue is actually a bigger thing, I think. Um, obviously, because we have a crop, right? We're talking about cannabis and, and the cousin, of course. But uh, so it's a crop. And, and the way that cannabis is getting into the news a lot lately is that because the drought is happening, everyone is sort of heightened attention on the drought. Now they're accusing the illegal cannabis growers of stealing the water. <laughs> so that's the story now. And they're creating this. Not only is, you know, cannabis has a lot of boogeyman stories, right, about how bad it is and everything. But now we have the we have the illegal grower that's knocking over your fire hydrant, tapping into the water lines and stealing the water right out of the rivers, you know, and it may be that these things are happening, uh, some, but California is almost the whole coast. I mean, it's a massive state, right? So right. the amount of water that cannabis growers could possibly take is obviously very small. I read, I read a thing the other day that said that cannabis is estimated to take a, a gallon of water. Can't remember why they said this, a gallon of water per pound, but it's 1,900 gallons per pound of almonds. 
So, and, and, it, and it takes 1800 gallons to make a pair of blue jeans. So like when we look at it on balance, cannabis is really not very bad. Right. But, but it's a target. It's but the targeted. boogeyman. The boogeyman story is the thing that propels everybody, right? So as someone who is in the media, who, yep. who continues to publish content about the scene, um, how, how do you as a journalist balance what you're saying? Is this really an embellished story or what's the real truth to the facts that water is necessary to grow cannabis but in comparison to yep. other entities under other textiles it's not that evil boogeyman well it you know it, it takes uh, probably like you jim I, it takes a lot of research right you have to be on top of your facts um the, the flip side of the water is the energy use and cannabis is now getting taken it on the chin about using too much energy right <clears throat> well I say that's fascinating. However, if cannabis were not illegal, then we would never grow it in Maine and Minnesota and Alaska. We never would, right? You don't grow oranges there. You don't grow tropical stuff there. You'd grow it down here and ship it up there, right? If the market were allowed to operate efficiently, right. that's what would happen. So the reason that we all grow indoor, especially in the Northern States, is because we have no choice. Right. Right. And, and that's so, the biggest uh, one of the biggest issues in Massachusetts, where we where the world of headquarters of pro cannabis media lives is in Massachusetts, right. that 10 yep. percent of the electric grid for each month is going to indoor cannabis operations. Now, it's one of the reasons why I think the industry needs to grasp solar energy and actually take advantage of that, because the whole yep. point of this plant, God put this plant on this earth for a reason. One is whether you believe in the the uses of, of the cannabis plant as a hemp plant or as right. a THC cannabis sativa plant. Sure. Uh, sure. The, the point is, you're right. And in a environment like the Northeast, where the growing season outdoors is limited, obviously right. you want to maximize your profits. So you are looking for ways to take advantage of dormant mill buildings, for instance, in the New sure. England area and putting in grow facilities and turning it into a business. And that's exactly what's been going on. Yeah. But, but again, without interstate commerce, you really are waiting. You really have to develop that market in each state and, and close, the, close the borders for interstate commerce. Although I do think those days are numbered. What's your feeling about that in the future, especially with the new uh, CAO bill and the discussions that they're having down in Washington, D.C.? I think it's a it's a pretty interesting thing. I think that the big problem with cannabis and with hemp, actually, and the, the, this goes back to the 1930s when the Marijuana Tax Act happened in the first place. And really, some people say it made it illegal. That's not exactly correct what happened, but make, but really decimated the industry um, is that there is no champion for hemp or for the marijuana side either. There's no champion, right? So if you think about like back in the day, there was uh, timber, for example, the champion for timber was William Randolph Hearst. Right. The champion for chemicals was DuPont. Right. The champion for cotton textiles was the whole Confederacy, right? Right. So each one of those industries had a champion who was willing to go to Washington and fight. Hemp didn't have that. Hemp was just a crop that was grown by everyone 
but it didn't have a person who was willing to go and take the gloves off. Right. And that's why it got taken down because there was right. no fight. Right. Well, I think it had a lot to do also with the fact that Mr. DuPont, Mr. Hurst uh, didn't like those others who were using hemp and and biting into their profit margins uh sure. if, if I, I mean let, i don't like to mention names but they're needless to say they were going after the those non-white looking people how's that agreed no agree that they, they use them as a scapegoat they use that sort of fear of the other and of the immigrants and all that stuff build the wall it's the same conversation right to That's shut right. down to shut down that competitive industry at the time because there right. was almost no marijuana back then there was almost no use at all right but they created this scary monster and they rolled it out at the time when scary monster movies were a big thing you know it was right after king kong it was right at i mean there was a lot of scary monster stuff going on at the time and this fit right in right so it's perfect oh. and 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 it was the almighty dollar that really drove this more than anything else I think so. So to get to your question about what's going to happen now, well, first of all, we still don't have a champion, right? Wow. So we have, for example, we have Chuck Schumer, who is no one's idea of a champion, in my personal opinion, because he's not a very sort of telegenic, sexy kind of a fiery kind of orator. I, I don't think I'd follow him into battle, really. I, okay. I'd follow him into the library. <laughs> I'd follow him into the voting booth, but probably not into a battle. He's not that kind of, come on, guys. We have Cory Booker, who I think is an exceptional individual in so many ways. Yep. He's focused, as you can imagine, on the social equity piece. Of mm -hmm. course, African-American guy is, is going gonna, is gonna to lean that direction. Well, I think that's necessary, critically important. But if African-Americans are approximately 20% of the population, that's the audience for that message, really. There, I think, though, what's important, actually, more important than just saying that there needs to be social equity is that social equity is a good thing. Like, they, I don't think they've really made a circle out of the message, right? right? Which is it's really critically important that all of our communities are involved it, because all of our communities will benefit. Right. And, and the planet will benefit. The earth will benefit. Commerce. Everyone will make money. Everyone will be whole if we do this right, and it's good if we do that, rather than saying we want our peace on, on one particular community, it actually benefits the whole. I think that needs to be the message. Right, and it, and you're right, it hasn't been, there hasn't been a champion. And you know what's been going on in the last, gosh, few months now is more and more recognizable figures from our culture are getting into the cannabis space, either as sure. people for, for uh, companies or mm -hmm. as strain champions or as uh, advocates sure. for uh, social change. Like uh, like Chris Weber puts his money up for a $100 million fund to help uh, the mom yep. and pops, the social equity people get into this industry. So That's it's starting, you're starting to see, um, I love seeing sports figures because you know I've got a, a love of sports. Um, to, to get involved with this, because sure. I do believe that sports is a great, um, it's a great builder of character. It also brings different people from different backgrounds together for a purpose. Absolutely. Uh, that's the beauty of sport. And it's yeah. the beauty of the plant too. That I, and perhaps that's I, one of the reasons why I've gone from sports to weed. I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it is. The bottom line is though, it has always brought 
people together. And now we've got Kevin Durant now saying he wants to help Weed Maps build, uh, break down that stigma. Now, did you happen to listen to that podcast by any chance? Uh, with Durant? No, I, I didn't. I've, I've been reading some. Of, when I first heard about his interview, yeah. I noticed a big, giant, gaping hole. And then a couple <laughs> of other guys have picked up on this, which I'm glad they have. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, I don't know. You know, when when you set, it's, it's, like, it's like an alley-oop, right? Somebody threw the ball right by the rim. He did not dunk it. No. He didn't dunk it. I'm like, Kevin, well, what are you doing? No, he didn't. He, if anything, he tickled the twine, but without throwing the ball down into the I hole. I know. Right. I know they asked he, him just, uh, I mean, I guess for everybody in listening, right. They asked, he, he had come out and say, saying that one of his reasons for joining the industry was to end the stigma against cannabis. And they asked him in the interview, do you use it? And he said, eh, kind of none of your business, kind of like, I'm right. going to keep that private. That right. was the perfect opportunity to throw down and say, yes, I use it. And I know you guys know this already, but I'm kind of the best basketball player in the entire world. And I use it and I'm okay. That's right. And it wasn't, and, and, and it's not a performance enhancer, right? It just no. is a, a life enhancer. Ask Terry Richardson that, well, right? There's the other thing, you know, and right. I thought that was so fascinating. These two things are so close together because I think what she actually, the great part of the conversation that she started was, the many things that cannabis is good for, right? Regardless of not at the starting line, not like as a steroidy kind of an advantage, that kind of thing, right? But how normal, decent, good people can use it for actually very normal human reasons, right? And they're still just fine persons. Thank you very much. You know, they're just fine, right? Right. I, so I like to think so. So she may have actually really advanced the conversation, even by her. I mean, she failed, right? Because she got bounced from the Olympics. But even having done that as kind of a martyr for the cause, she really pushed the ball down the field. Right. And yet, and then in the next, in the same week, this past week, yep. they had a match race with her, with the uh, other sprinters from the 100 meters. And sure. this is by far the first time in my lifetime in sports where the person who finished last got more publicity than the winners of that <laughs> right. race. Right, right, right. right. I think so. I think it's actually fine. First of all, uh, I think she's going to have a great opportunity to come back, hopefully, at, at some opportunity, right? She's a brilliant talent. She's a totally flash. She's incredibly compelling looking. She's feisty. She's fiery. You know, she's got everything 21. that Americans can love. She's 21. I know. She's got every <laughs> single important thing that Americans really kind of care about, you know? And Americans she's love gonna... the story being a storyteller, Chris, you understand sure, this, sure. of coming off the mat and winning Absolutely. the championship, the Rocky yeah. movies. Was it you who brought this up or was Josh? I can't yeah, No, we were talking about Rocky, but I was even thinking like, you know, interestingly, like, well, I, my family arrived in America in your neighborhood, actually. Uh, and a lot of people forget that the people who came on the Mayflower, there were only a hundred people on that boat. And in the first winter, half of them died. So the Mayflower colony was 50 people after the first winter and they rallied and they came back. And then we think like George Washington, Valley Forge, all of these American stories are about getting knocked down, coming back. So Shikari right. Richardson could be one of the great ones. And it's wonderful. I think that she's aligned now with the cannabis story, right? Because 
we could have that same story. We've been knocked down since 1937. We could right. have that same story. Right. And we should. And, it, and, it, and it's great, isn't it, that uh, um, it wasn't the woman who won the race who then came out afterwards and said, oh, and by the way, I got prepared for this race by smoking a few bones. It was it <laughs> cost me a lot of money to come out and be and get a positive test. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, and yet she's still here and still being talked about. And I got to yeah. give Nike credit, even though I'm not a big Nike fan. Um, I do give them credit, however, for not dropping her. I think you're right. I, you know, and that's the thing that Nike, I think, has always done pretty well, though. When their people get in trouble, they stick with them until it's impossible to do it. Like with um, the, Alberto the, Salazar being Alberto, a perfect right. example you of know, that. Thank you very much. With, with Alberto, right? You can't like once you get to a point where there's like we can't go anymore. We don't. Right. They stuck with them, but yeah, they stuck with them all this time. Well, they stuck with Tiger Woods. They, well, you know what I mean? I, I kind of admire them for that. Again, money is the key factor here. We And money was right behind the 1937 uh, Marijuana Prohibition Act. It was. We both recognize it. We talked about DuPont sure. and we talked about Hearst. We, we didn't mention he who will not be named, uh, the guy that was in charge of the DEA at the time that they, that they created uh, for this because yeah. he was a devout racist who probably did more harm to race relations than anybody in history because of this tool that law enforcement has used now for 80 years to yep. profile black people to put them in jail because he recognized that well, i bet if we if we pull this uh black person over in the car i'm gonna bet he has a couple of joints on him so yeah we're just gonna pull him over for nothing and then dig through everything we can possibly find and then we're gonna ruin his life and then we're gonna walk away that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the American. Unfortunately, that's been the American way. And I, I salute mm -hmm. Mr. Uh, Senator Booker for trying to take care of this and get this thing done already. If that look, I never thought in a million years I'd see a lot of things, including my local uh, Red Sox team win a World Series in 2004. Needless to say, the, the local Patriots team winning six championships. I mean, all of these things happened in my lifetime. Now, I think I could see cannabis becoming at least decriminalized take it off that controlled substances act once and for all let right. interstate commerce either begin or be controlled and there's got to be a way to control interstate commerce although as you know human behavior if you give a little humans are going to try and get as much as possible out of that right yeah i'm not sure it's interesting i just the other day was talking with someone about this the state of California, for example, has a system called metrics. And the idea behind metrics is that you're supposed to be able to basically track every molecule of THC from the seed to the sale. Correct. And how you do that is you put a tag with a, a code on it uh, on each plant. And then as the product moves through the production cycle all the way to the sale, that tag and that number, that data travels, and then therefore you can cover it all, okay? So we're talking about microscopic units. Yep. What they missed was the, the overall scale of the economy, of the cannabis economy in California, so that the big guys now are growing so much cannabis that the little guys are getting squashed. Right. And I mean squashed like out of business, squashed like suicide, squashed like they're leaving the state. I mean, really squashed. So with this tiny little focus and technology, and it's really going to make everything right. They missed the big picture. So the same with transportation all across state lines, 
let, let, we got to think about all of these things differently. And and your your comment about like this this whole thing about THC, right? Well, alcohol is not really treated that way. I mean, it's regulated, it's controlled, right? But but this extra special focus on THC as the demon with the devil and all of that is, you know, we got to get past that. We got to get to a normal place. Well, where is that normal place? And Lord knows in this day and age with the pandemic, every normalcy seems to change every other day um, in all of our lives, right? I mean, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, be inside, bring your vaccination cards. I mean, it's it's, kind of crazy out there. What what do you think as someone who's been in that scene and, and in the California scene now for a number of years, sure. how, what kind of incentives can either the state or even the federal government introduce to, to encourage the illegal growers to become legal growers, or at least perhaps there's a way for allowing them to legally <laughs> export with a tax on it? something there's got to be a way to create a marketplace for interstate commerce whether you believe it uh, in constitutional law or not because now there are a lot of professors there's a certain professor out of i don't know which which college it was but uh, mikos was the professor's name uh okay. talked about how interstate commerce should be here already for cannabis that, i read that yeah yeah, we're going to be doing a show on Green Rush Live about that in a couple of weeks, too. That's going to be exciting uh, as we move forward. Yeah, but yeah. what kind of incentives? If you were an illegal grower in California, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, 80% of the legacy market, the illegal market, comes from California. Okay? How okay. do we incentivize these people to go legit? It's got to be a money, it's got to be a money thing, right? Well, it's a couple of things. Um Remember that the federal government, well, all government and uh, law enforcement has somehow made it their sacred need to bust uh, drug people. Right. Uh, and, and cannabis people seem to be their favorite target. Like, for example, I read yesterday that a, a fellow was pulled over in Nebraska and he had 125 pounds of fentanyl in his car. And... 125 pounds of fentanyl is enough to kill every person in the whole state of Nebraska and the state of Wyoming together combined. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is on the opioid side of things, right? So this is on the, you know, this is on that whole conversation. We have a, we have deadly chemicals going around in our communities and yet people think that cannabis growers who grow, you know, 10 pounds of stuff up in the hills are the bad guys. Yeah. And cannabis has never killed anyone for overdose ever, ever, ever in 12,000 years, ever. No one has died. Right. Right. So this demon, again, the demonization of cannabis is a huge problem. But to your question, um, first thing. So, so because law enforcement is so aggressive and has it built into their DNA at this point to bust cannabis people, number one. We have to have a probably 10-year amnesty for the cannabis growers. First thing is has to be, we will not bust you no matter what you did on the cannabis side. If you did, you know, if you were involved in fentanyl, well, all right, then, you know, you got another thing coming. But right. if you're just a cannabis grower, you're, you're off, you're free, free and clear. We will not prosecute. 
So now they know they're not going to be put in jail. There's not going to be a trick, right? Second thing is, in California, there's a tax uh, on different sections of the process. There's $154 a pound tax on growing, right? On the growers. These are the Whether legal growers. Uh, legal side, right. Okay. Good point. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. And, no, I want to make sure uh, I make so, that point. Yeah. Right. So there's $154 per pound. Well, if you're a small grower, that's a lot. If you're a right. big grower, you're like, eh, whatever. Right. So the little guys are already behind the eight ball and really kind of are, are in trouble competing. So that cultivation tax either needs to be pushed somewhere else or eliminated because it's not fair and it's, it's punitive, actually. Really, what it's if the, punitive toward the little guy. What What if the illegal growers, before they exported it, had to get it tested by an in-state lab, so that you know that what's going on across state lines is at least a tested product? No, I'm sorry. Did you say what if the illegal growers did that? Illegal growers why, before why they, they exported why? it, before they had to export it, they want they had to legally export it you have to get it tested you're making them get well, it tested all right but you're, well, but you're allowing them to export it legally and sell it legally well they wouldn't that doesn't make any sense to them because what they would say is i'm already illegally exporting it why would i want your permission why would i want to put my head up above the wall and say hi you know come get me forget it they'll, they'll never come out of the open no way well, I, I'm just looking for different ways. I'm throwing ideas out there. Yeah, yeah. To create an incentive for the sure. illegal growers to go legit. Because I'm like reading all sure. these reasons and the operating costs are really the biggest issue, right? Uh, I think so. Operating costs, taxes. Uh, taxes. The third, I, the I consider third that. Thing, yep. Yep. The, th the third thing is the bureaucracy. They told us recently that approximately 80% of the license holders, the legitimate license holders in California only have a provisional license because the licensing scheme is so complicated. They basically haven't been able to finish their paperwork. And wow. one big piece of that is what's called CEQA, uh, which I can't remember what it stands for, but uh, California Environmental Quality Administration, something like that. It's anyway, it's, it's environmental. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the piece that holds everybody up because it's extremely difficult in California. Uh, same thing for building new real estate and uh, transit projects. They all of them they run up against this environmental quality issue, and the cannabis guys are really getting smeared on this, right? So eighty percent of them don't even have a permanent license. That means that their licenses are one year and they run out every year. So they have to spend some time reapplying to get recertified and sometimes they drop out so now i've been growing i've been doing the right thing all along and all of a sudden my my license falls out now i've got illegal product now i'm screwed i mean it's really a disaster what the governor did was he there were three entities in california and he combined them into one and he put in another hundred million dollars into this new entity to fix all this nonsense yeah how'd that work out <laughs> well i it just started like a month ago so i don't know yet but i would say that those are the three issues number one amnesty we have to say there is absolutely no no punishment so everybody's okay to come out number one number two 
taxes on the growers are punitive and prohibitive. And if they don't stop that, what we're going to have is Miller Lite or Budweiser. We're not going to have strains. We're not going to have terroir, you know, grown from Humboldt County or whatever. We're going to have big grow, big ag, and it's going to be Miller Lite down there and Budweiser over here. And none of it's going to be very good. And that's all you get. Sorry, because everyone else is going to get wiped. So they really have to do some of these things. They have to look at it differently and do some of these things has to there allow. Ever, has there ever been a product that was medicinally based? I mean, alcohol is not medicinally based, right? No, that's correct. And well, I think you know, it's, it, I think you bring up a really fascinating point, Jimmy, is, which is that no one's ever seen anything like cannabis. Actually, right. Right? right. No one's ever seen anything that is medicine, recreational, textile, petroleum, plastic, paint, fuel. No one's ever seen anything like this. There is no other thing like this. It's the most versatile plant in the world. Right. That's why the FDA doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Right. And the they Alcohol Beverage to, Commission doesn't want to deal with it either. They don't know what they're doing, right? They're, everyone's looking at the other one going, I'm waiting for you to jump first. And no one is stopping. Like, here's the thing. The FDA has approved cannabis medicine. In the form of epidiolex, right. And the and the thing I think that it's important to remember of the epidiolex is it's approved for children as young as two years old. Right. And the most vulnerable children that there are because they have horrible epilepsy that's going to kill them anyway, by age seven, they're likely to die. But this product can save their lives and give them back a quality of life. Right. It's already been proven safe. But it doesn't have any medical and according to schedule one there's no medicinal quality to this plant it's the well that's well right? that's the dumb thing right that's the, that's the lunacy of that because yes it does everybody knows it and you've already admitted it so why are we waiting what are you talking about it doesn't have any medicinal quality. of course it does are you telling me that our politicians talk out of both sides of their mouth chris i am shocked to hear that and then and then there's this silliness of this whole like states rights business right where we have the states 38 states have approved cannabis as medicinal right 38 right 38 states have qualifying conditions that they approve right. usually cancer uh, anxiety uh, chronic pain are used on those sorts of things some of them have a long list yep the states have approved that product for use on, on medical issues, and the state says it's okay. What else do they need? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the federal I know what else they says, need. They need a piece of the pie. Well, then the federal government says, you know, we need to do more testing. <laughs> and we say, you know, catch 22 guys, you guys have built yourself a cage where it can't happen, right? So it's so the Fed. So the, there's almost no way out of it the way they've got it set up. Right. They've set it up so that the house always wins. Yep. Right. They've, and they've got to set it up so that America wins and that the people are allowed to win, not right. the house, because the house doesn't even know what this is. They don't know what the what this game is, really. You know, correct. They certainly don't. And it, and again, it goes back to education. It goes back to enlightening <clears throat> and educating, not right. just the public but our legislators too. You sure. know, the public, I think, has figured it out. You've got polls that are saying 70% of Americans believe in legal legalization. 
but it's right. the ones that we put in office they can't quite figure out what we're trying to figure out chris and i mean i do think the two of us are a little bit more enlightened than many of the people that we have uh down in washington dc but uh um, it, it's just an amazing thing and it's another reason why i'm really happy that we've got somebody from california who really sure. can explain what california did and has done wrong because yep. a lot of people from the east coast who got into it a little later let's just say massachusetts okay sure. are looking at california or colorado or washington state hey they did it for a number of years let's let's see but there isn't a comparable yet that has worked right and it's why chuck schumer right. from new york believes his bill is set up to do that in new york but as we all know we're not going to know for two, four, five, six years whether or not that law that New York put in place is the right way to set it up. Sure. And, uh, you know, well, in terms of New York it's, itself, as one state, you know, there's there's also the chatter that maybe Cuomo might have uh, approved cannabis legalization at just the right time <laughs> so that up. people wouldn't pay attention to this other little thing he had yeah. going on. It wasn't a little a, thing that he had going on, and it wasn't what. Let's just say, <laughs> cannabis is and a behaving super badly. Story. I, I'm shocked to hear that. I really am. I but, really you know, am. Everyone's going to jump on the cannabis story, and then maybe this other thing will kind of go away. It worked for a little bit, but obviously not all the way. But Schumer's problem. Another thing about Schumer's deal is that in his CAOA plan is a, an additional 25 percent tax. Yeah, that that I'm telling you, and I've talked to the guys from the NCIA about this. I really do believe that they put that in there in order to take it away. It's like when you go in for a contract, when you're negotiating a contract, you need to create leverage. Hey, I'll take that 25% tax off the table if you do this. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I honestly, the government, the federal government, I, I don't know, I'm sure it's more complicated than I'm making it out to be, but in some ways, they kind of don't have to do anything. They kind of just have to kind of get out of the way, let the market handle itself. I mean, I know there will be regulations. They're, they're required, but, and, and the government for setting up the uh, bureaucracy that they're going to want to set up, they, you know, they need something to run that. Okay, fine. But if they add another 25% onto the state taxes that already exist, right, right. Then, then we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the government really trying to accomplish? Right. Because if they are trying to accomplish eliminating the illicit market, they're failing. Right. Because right. they're adding all the costs onto the legal side. The illicit Ill illegal guys are like, thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> my stuff you is just, now worth even more. <laughs> my stuff is now on sale all right. the time. And you just added 25 percent more to the other guy's cost. Thank you very much. So if they're trying to eliminate the illicit market, they're failing. The, the, the rationale or the roadmap to doing that is not to raise taxes, but to, of course, increase efficiency and, not, and, and reduce barriers. So they want to make money. Everybody's talking about the money. Everybody talks about the tax money, but it's not about the tax money. Like, here's another thing it's not about. It's not about the tax money. There's 300-something thousand people working in the industry now. Right. Even right. And, and also remember that during COVID one, whatever, last year, it was an essential business and cannabis businesses were still hiring. Right. When everyone else is getting laid off, everyone yep. else is on unemployment, everyone else is wondering if they're going to starve to death. Cannabis was an essential business. 
Yep. And over 300,000 people work. So when we think about the money that's coming into cannabis, we can't just think about sales taxes. Right. We have employment taxes. We have the money that those people are able to spend in their communities. Right. So we have, right? We have we have three layers of spending, right? Right. And so it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Is, right. The right. impact is enormous. The potential impact is even bigger. And the potential for America to be the first mover in all these things is laid out on a plate for us. I mean, it's all there. Yeah, but talk about a new revolution in medicine, in fuel, in textiles, in recycling, in 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 in, in sustainable farming practices. I mean, the 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 plate is ready to be served. Yeah, I just don't hope they don't screw it up. Um, here's a good sign for normalcy. And, and it does also have a lot to do with the fact that the pandemic got involved here and everything is that yeah. the uh, Apple platform is now allowing apps yeah. to deliver, right? Is now to allow delivery of weed comes to the app store. Ease is one of them. Uh, the parent company through their Caliva subsidiary will now allow uh, right. cannabis consumers to place pickup or delivery orders, pay electronically and chat online. This story is going to be part of a big discussion on the Green Rush Live. I'm pretty sure it's this week. In fact, that would be two days from now since we do okay. this LinkedIn live conversation live on Wednesdays. We get to okay. promote what's coming up on Wednesdays. What's your how big a deal is this? It's very, I'm so glad you asked me that because I've been firing questions off to lawyers ever since I first read about the Ease deal, because there's one particular piece of it that I think is particularly interesting. Number one, it's it's somewhat interesting that you can have weed on an app on your phone. Like, that's novel. Okay, fine. But the idea that you could buy it from your phone is the revolutionary moment, right? Because, the, because... Well, all right, because cannabis is Schedule 1, therefore banks cannot take cannabis money. Right. It's not, they're not allowed to. Uh, right. or, or they can, but it's so odious that they charge, you know, $3,000 a month for an account. Of course, most people say, no, I'm not doing that. So banking is out. It's an all-cash business, yep. which is one of the big complaints about cannabis not being legal federally is right. that it's all cash. And so there's... It's, cannabis is a $20 billion business in America. That means there's $20 billion in cash floating around. Right. Which is not good for public safety, not good for anyone, right? No, it's not even good for the banks because they're not making no. money off that. And, right, number one, you, the banks aren't making money off it. And two, let's say you have to go pay your taxes. You've right. got to bring a duffel bag full of cash to the IRS. And the IRS says, what are we going to do with cash? We don't do cash. What are we right. going to do with all of it? Where would we put it? That's right. So right. it's, a, it, it's an epic problem and an epic disaster. This one single move seems to me, and I'm not 100% sure about it, so I'm really interested to hear what you guys come up with on, on your Friday show. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% clear, but if you are able to buy it online, that means the cash is, cash is out. You can, yeah. you can use I, Apple Pay or you can use whatever their method is. Right. Wow. Can use our friends from artery pay which is a, a great little it's venmo for weed you know so uh and it's out there right. and you can and you can do that and it's interesting because it's technology driving this uh right. transaction right not, not egos not elected officials oh, but technology no. right that's right that's right and and 
pretty soon I got to think that we're going to get a champion, actually, which is like you just said, I think you nailed it. The banks, the banks are going to say, wait a minute, there's twenty five billion dollar, 20 billion, 25 billion dollars in America and you're not allowing us to have it. No, 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 no. They're not pretty soon. The banks are going to say this is not OK. Right. We want that money. Right. It's going to be interesting. And maybe we need to start getting uh, maybe we'll reach out to some banks this week and, and get some more insight uh, on that as we move forward on this discussion. Uh, Chris, this has been great. This is exactly why I like doing these kinds of live interviews with people that are involved with our content creation. I mean, you're now uh, contributing weekly to us on our We Talk News that we do sure. every week here on Pro Cannabis Media. We thank you for that. We do think sure. the upside the upside is going to be great. Um, now, the, the last question I do have to ask you is, what's, what was Josh Binswanger really like at Deerfield? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> Josh Binswanger was a legend from the first moment his foot touched <laughs> campus. I, I, you can't really describe him in any other way. Like um, he's got a great personality. His sense of humor is light years faster than anyone else. He's quick. He's funny. But at the same time, he's the most warm hearted, friendly guy, loving guy that you'd ever know. I've been friends with him for the same amount of time, basically, that you have. And I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. And that, that's that's what's so funny is that he and I just got back together after 25, 20 years, whatever it was. Sure. sure. It felt like I was talking to an old friend, which I am and was. Yeah. And then yeah. I find out that you went to school with them. That was perhaps the funniest thing that happened and the best thing that happened, perhaps uh, uh, coincidentally over the last 24 hours. So uh, Christopher Smith, uh, so much fun to talk with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about the American Cannabis Report. How can people sign up for your newsletter? Where do they find you? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, so I started the American Cannabis Report about five years ago when I first started getting into the industry. And I realized that I realized how... Um, uh, in, in, how invasive, how all-encompassing the propaganda is around cannabis, and how so many of the stories we read were were clouded by propaganda and those old feelings of fear and, uh, you know, all of that. Um, and so rather than try to sort of go out on a speaking campaign or something like that, I just created my own platform, basically, using technology that we could all use. So I created the American Cannabis Report. Uh, it was early enough in the industry that the American Cannabis Report.com was available, for example. So that's how I knew I was in there early was uh, like, you know, the, the, the easy pickings were still there for me. Right. Um, so I've been writing for that for, for five years and, and some other uh, contributors as well. Uh, and social media and all of the stuff that you do. Yep. Um, and I've been working with you. And this has been terrific to be able to do a couple of California stories every week and kind of share what's weirdnesses uh, come out of the out of the weird state uh so it's, it's, it's all it's, it all it all kind of works together and what i try to do with every story that i that i write and and or or present is i try to find the like the, the the truth underneath the their headline right because the headline is always something grand and scary and frightening and i try to find what the real story is like we mentioned in the issues of water or energy or those sorts of things. I try to dig a little deeper and say, we need to put these things in perspective and we need to remember how good cannabis is and we need to go forward positively and all of us can benefit from it. So I try to kind of twist those negative stories around into what the, what I feel the real truth is. 
Well, that's called balance in journalism. And thankfully, right. we've got like-minded people like yourself uh, involved right. with this. And that uh, that is a benefit to all in the industry. And I'm so happy that we were able to connect right. now. And now that we find out we have got uh, friends in common, I think that's just a riot <laughs> uh, in we so do. many ways. So um, American Cannabis Report, check it out. AmericanCannabisReport.com, right? How did yes, I do it? Okay. Yes, uh, ProCannabisMedia.com, 24-7 live streaming of news, information, talk, Absolutely. and educational content all the time on our website. And, of course, we do live shows like this, live interview shows like this on Friday afternoons at 4 o'clock with our Green Rush Live. And we also do the Green Nurse Report every morning, 8 a.m. Eastern to 8.30 nice. uh, a.m. Eastern. Granted, it's a little bit early for you West Coast people. I apologize for that. But like, hey, do one at 10. I don't care. All right. It's the way I look at it. Do one at 1030. I mean, do it at 1130. I don't care. Uh, but anyway, this is what we do here at Pro Cannabis Media. For everybody here at PCM TV and Pro Cannabis Media, I'm Jimmy Young. Thank you so much for watching another live edition of In the Weeds. And we return now to your regularly scheduled news on LinkedIn. We'll see you all down the road. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly.